0: came from outer space is a picture that you'll long remember for its blending of science and fiction, for its eerie terror, and for its story of an invasion from another planet that's almost beyond imagining. I tell you from its size and its appearance, this thing came from outer space. I even have reason to believe that there's some form of life in it. What do you want? What are you doing? Let me see you as you really are.
1: Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode sixty-five. We are sixty-five episodes and counting. My name is Scott Hertzog, and I'm one of your hosts at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin, and he's another one of your hosts at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Miles, welcome to the show tonight.
2: Well, I'm delighted to be here.
1: Yes, this is iPhone release day, I guess you're going to call it. Not that that means a lot to people that don't have iPhones, but I do, or I did, and um, and I managed to get my hands on a pre-order, so I feel pretty lucky right now, Miles.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you, any any luck with getting your old, uh, your, your old uh, uh, iPhone working? You know,
1: everything works on my iPhone but wireless and actually calling people, which basically means it's a glorified iPod Touch without wireless that I'm paying a monthly fee on. Oh. Which, kind of, well, yeah, which kind of sucks, right?
0: <laughs> it does.
1: But uh, that's going to change here in a week when we get back from Cancun. I'll have an iPhone waiting for me, and I will be uh, looking forward to firing that thing up and seeing what the new iPhone 4 has to give me. So, uh, But I've been Gosh. without a phone for about a week, and uh, you know, to be honest, it's kind of freeing, kind of freeing a little bit. No longer am I enslaved when people want to call me. I get to ignore all my phone calls and feel good about it. Just kidding. <clears throat> Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, that. that's why I haven't been returning your calls, Miles.
2: Yeah, that's not so
1: nice. Yeah, well, you know, it depends.
2: Hey, hey, hey.
1: All right. Well, tonight on the menu, we have an excellent menu for you. Some excellent sci-fi you've been watching. Some good stories that we're going to bring you tonight. Here's the menu tonight. And like I said last week, if you want to hear something in the menu that we aren't putting in the menu, you got to let us know. you just got to let us know. That's just it. Because, Hey. Can't read your mind. If I could read your mind, I would be starting my own psychic network. And Miles would be calling it all the time. True. True, true. Because, after all, Miles worships my thoughts. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. On the menu tonight, we have an awesome interview with Larry Doyle from Go Mutants. If you are familiar with Go Mutants, it's a book that's being released on the 22nd of June. And, Miles, we had an absolutely phenomenal interview with this guy.
2: We did, and um, I, I hope listeners, after hearing this, that you will support his project.
1: It's truly uh, an original and fresh idea, that's for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, in other news, we have uh, oh, we have Stargate Universe news. We of course have our trivia, our Star Wars trivia this week. Uh, so, as I said, we have Stargate Universe news. We have Battlestar Galactica news.
2: Uh, what other news do we have? Uh, uh, some movie news. We have some. Uh, uh, news about the uh, X Men uh, or- Origins movie, uh, X Men First Class, and uh, and a movie I heard about it called Iron Sky. Uh- um, Nazis on the moon. Yeah. I
1: mean, come on. You can't get, you can't get more B rated than that, right? Uh, Nazis in the sky. We're going to talk about that movie. We're also going to be talking about Battlestar Galactica Online for those of you MMO players who might get tired of World of Warcraft or maybe Star Trek Online as if you get tired of that, right? But, uh, we're going to be talking about Battlestar Galactica Online, a new movie with Hugh Jackman. Are we excited about it? And who is going to be directing The Hobbit? We want to know. And it looks like there might be an association with Harry Potter on that. Uh, hmm. Miles, of course, brings you his This Week in Star Trek, his twist segment. And uh, two news stories there how Patrick Stewart totally dresses down one of his co-presenters at an awards ceremony. And then, uh, Miles, the other story is some news on the Star Trek 12 script, right? Correct. And uh, and then, of course, Miles wraps up with bringing you his top five fight scenes of all time in science fiction in the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. So it is a phenomenal, phenomenal show. Well, moving on. We want to get into some show news here, and we have some show news we are going to be we're going to be at Shoreleave 32 coming up so please don't forget if you're going to Shoreleave 32 please let us know contact us twitter us email us let us know you're going to be there we would love to meet you maybe go out for a drink or something and just have a grand old time at that huge party of fandom that's going to be happening early in July we're going to be bringing you an interview with Mike Schilling from Shore Leave next week and uh so you can be looking forward to that coming up and I was talking a little bit more about that in other show news, we have, uh, we had some feedback bring, brought in by Kevin Batchelder, and so I'm going to go ahead and play that now, and then we'll talk about it. It's in, in reference to the top 10 sci-fi movies of all time.
3: Hey, Scott and Miles and all my fellow listeners, this is Kevin Batchelder calling in from the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast, among others. Hey, I wanted to give you some feedback on your most recent show. I always appreciate what you guys do there. Uh, specifically, talking about that uh, top sci-fi movies list uh, that you guys quoted in and- Made some references to a few titles. I'll include uh, a link in my email to you, Scott. Maybe you can put it in your show notes for a site I found. Uh, it's not like a formal magazine or anything like that. It looks like it's just a barely big sci-fi fan, but he runs a site where he lists the top hundred sci-fi movies, TV shows, and books uh, based on some feedback from from other uh, more well-known sites. But also doing polls on his site. Every couple of months from, uh, the people who visit it to maybe readjust that list. So it's a good way if you're looking to find movies you might be considered the top ones or books. You've got some feedback there and it's a really good stuff. Might actually be kind of fun, uh, uh, you guys are mentioning some of those movies that you haven't seen. Uh, maybe taking a look at this list and, uh, you know, what I did for a while is I took the ones on this list from the number one and worked down and if I hadn't seen one of those movies or hadn't seen it in a long time, I threw it on my Netflix list, especially during the summer when we don't have as many shows. Now's a great time to get, catch up on those. Um, also, just a quick comment talking about the Matrix movies. Might be a good discussion at some point to have. Um, yes, the first one was groundbreaking. Absolutely loved it. And while the other two weren't as good, there's lots of good stuff there. A lot of people like to, you know, knock those and, and uh, have some fun there. But I actually found them quite entertaining, and they actually led me to read a few books, some excellent ones, uh, uh, Splinter in Your Mind. Uh, was a great one looking at some of the philosophy and references in those other two movies, different religions and spirituality and such. So it's some interesting stuff. It certainly helped me get a little more out of those movies if you want to take a look at it. Uh, also, a quick comment on the show Being Human that's coming up uh, Series 2 this summer on BBC America. Uh, one thing I think, uh, Scott, you mentioned, uh, it might be a kind of a cutesy show. Uh, I can confirm it is definitely not. There are some very serious storylines and some very dark storylines in this series. Uh, it does look on the outside, if you haven't seen it, like the premise might be a comedy or something with a, you know, a vampire, werewolf, and a ghost living together. And while there are some humorous parts, by all means, this, this is a drama. And I highly recommend it. Very well done show. First uh, season's coming out on DVD in July. Uh, six episodes, and the second series that's hitting BBC America is eight. But, uh, very strong stuff. Highly recommend it, but it's, it's not, uh, funny by the, any stretch there. So I think it's worth a look. Another show, now that you're watching Doctor Who, Scott, that I'd highly recommend, related to that, is Torchwood. Another U.K. show, bit of a spinoff from Doctor Who, not directly. Torchwood's a standalone. You don't have to have seen anything else to watch it. Uh, very good stuff. Three three seasons or series, depending upon how you look at these U.K. shows. So, some very good stuff. Uh, and Miles, if you are looking for something to watch this summer, highly recommend Firescape. I haven't heard you talking about it much, so I'm not sure if you've got into it, but, uh, I know you folks are a little more of the traditional or hardcore sci-fi stuff, so, uh, uh, Firescape is definitely that, and if you get some time, this summer might be a great time for you to catch up on it. Always enjoy your shows, guys. Appreciate it very much. Take care.
1: Well, Kevin, thank you so much for your feedback, as always. We appreciate when, uh, you call in and give us your thoughts about some of the things we were talking about. So why don't we just run down through a couple things that he said. He mentioned uh, off this list of top 100 sci-fi TV shows, books, and everything else in science fiction. Um, and his suggestion was going through, like, top 10 lists like this when we hit a movie that we aren't sure about, you know, putting it in our Netflix list and beginning to watch it.
2: That, that's a good good idea. I mean, uh, a couple of the ones that we saw look, do, do look interesting Yeah, after, after hearing about the premise.
1: Right, right. And, and and I think that that's a good idea, a good recommendation even for our listeners who may not be familiar with all the titles here in the list and, uh, well worth checking out. I'm thinking of Sunshine, especially was one that we didn't know or ne- uh-huh. neither of us watched. Um and so forth. He also commented on being human, and you know, again, Kevin, I hear you when you say that being human is probably a bit more serious of a drama than cutesy, and, and uh, maybe that was an inaccurate statement on my behalf. Being I never watched a show, um, it's probably more the just hearing the premise of the vampire, a ghost, and a and a werewolf walk into a bar type thing, uh, which kind of made it have that sort of feel to me. Probably a show that I'm not immediately going to be watching. You also suggested I watch Torchwood, and I would have you know, Kevin, I have watched every single Torchwood episode that's ever been out, um, including Children of Earth, and uh, I'm happy to hear rumors that there's a fourth season series on the way of Torchwood, so I'll be watching that as well. So, but thanks for that. And we haven't, we maybe don't talk a lot about Doctor Who in the show or Torchwood, but it's probably only because. Um, i haven't watched it for a while and miles you don't watch the the doctor who or torture series do you
2: no i, I no i haven't
1: right so uh what do you think about uh, his suggestion about you watch farscape here
2: it's a good one and uh, it's probably something i should definitely do considering well I, I, yeah everybody says it's good everybody says it's good but also this summer there it, there isn't gonna be much new sci-fi on tv for a while so that would be a great time to uh uh, get acquainted with uh, farscape
1: yeah yeah and the fact that you can stream them it's even better to your Wii right the, uh, exactly. uh, and I will tell you you know please work work your way through season one get into season two because that's where the uh, that's where the story really picks up just like you're telling me about next generation that's what I'm going to be telling you about farscape work your way through season one miles Fair enough. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for calling in and letting and giving us your thoughts there. And uh, as always, we appreciate that. If any of you out there want to leave us your thoughts on the things we talk about, the shows that we're commenting on, the movies we're talking about, please feel free to call in to 1-888-508-4343. Or as Kevin does when he sends us his audio feedback, he sends it as a audio attachment. You can do this via your iPhone by just recording a file and emailing it to us. <laughs> Or by you know recording a file on your computer and attaching it to an email as well thanks again Kevin for giving us that feedback and if you haven't done so please make sure you check out his podcast tuning into sci-fi the scapecast and the seeker cast and oh the signal podcast I think are at least four of them that he does and uh, they're all good and all all deal with genre television and well worth well worth checking out mm-hmm well, Miles, let's move into our trivia for this week. Miles, uh, what is the prizes that they can get for this trivia? This is a carryover trivia question from last week. Um, I guess, why don't you start off with the question?
2: Okay, well, we asked last time in, uh, I guess it would be episode uh, 6, uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, uh, which of Vader's hand hands did Luke sever with his lightsaber?
1: And the answer is don't give it yet <laughs> it's, yeah, because it's not due. We're giving you to July 2nd to answer this question. We've had a couple people, about three people, that actually have answered it correctly. So uh,
2: if they actually win this, what are they winning, Miles? The winner will win uh, four smart pop books, um, uh, In the Hunt, uh, Finding Serenity, um and uh, the Man from Krypton and thoughts about uh, Anita Black's uh, Vampire Hunter series.
1: Yeah, so four good books. This is a four pack. We've never given away a four pack before, but right before shortly we will be announcing the winner of that, and that'll be uh, pro- I think probably the July fifth week, July second. Uh, I think I have in this has a deadline on the site. But if you get your entry in a little bit after that, you still might be able to to uh, win the prize. And hey, your odds are good here. So far, we have three people that have answered correctly. Maybe you can be the fourth, and who knows? You just might be chosen to win these four books. That'd be great. It would be absolutely awesome. Well, before we go into our news, let's go ahead and play our promo. We have a promo from TrekCast. Miles, you're still listening?
2: I am still listening to TrekCast. So they're not putting out as many episodes. I think they're just got a little busy, but whenever they put an episode out, it is still very good. Uh, David Thomas, Ivy, and uh, Darren Benjamin, and... Uh, 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 a gentleman who we talked to a few months ago uh, Jared Forby uh, was on last uh, episode uh, they do a great job of uh, talking about things all all, all things Star Trek hmm. and um, it's a, just a fun Star Trek uh, podcast to listen to I highly recommend it
1: well then it's, it's well worth it right <laughs>
2: You know,
4: see, it's like, hey, I still got a little Star Trek in me. (laughs) I'm built on mid-24th century
2: civilian clothing. (laughs) Well, next time you see a guy looks like Wolverine, poke me. (laughs) Yeah. Cocktail.
0: Highball and cocktail. Highball. Cocktail. Oh, God. This is getting bad. You're listening to TrekCast, the Star Trek podcast, www.trekcast.com.
1: Listen to TrekCast. It'll save your virtual life. (laughs) Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Miles, we have some excellent TV and movie news for us tonight. So why don't we jump right on into it, and we're going to talk about something in TV news that we have been excited about, we've been looking forward to the past couple of weeks, and now it's been here, it is now gone. Let's reflect on the Stargate Universe finale, Miles. What are your thoughts, initial thoughts on this?
2: Oh, my gosh. Um, It didn't really resolve too much. But unfortunately
1: still, but, no go ahead uh,
2: no but it, no it didn't really know but uh, it was still it was still quite good and still kept at least for me and, and my wife wanting a lot more
1: I mean you know I guess it I guess you have to look and maybe this is a discussion for another podcast another episode sometime but you know what makes a truly good finale um, mm-hmm. I think part of it is it brings some resolution to the season well do we have a resolution to this whole argument between the civilians and the Army that are running destiny, Miles? Right. And
2: not really, right? I think things are better, but – because, I, I mean, I think I, – I, when I say that, I mean relations – I think relations are even better between um, uh, Colonel Young and Rush. Um, they're not the best of buddies, but they seem to be getting along and even agreeing more. But, um, but is there still conflict there? Very much so.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I I would agree with that. But I think, I I think you know, kind of what they've done with the whole Lucian Alliance—that's a fairly new plot line. You know, the past two, three episodes is kind of like this isn't a story that has really played in. You may, you may argue that there were hints of it earlier with Colonel Telford and and some of that stuff. But I just felt, I don't now. Granted. As far as the finale goes, did it leave me wanting more? Yes. Is it going to make me watch the first episode next season? Probably.
2: Well, I know for myself I'll be there.
1: Yeah. So I uh, we have to wait till September at the very least to begin that season. But let's reflect. Well, what did you think of this season
2: overall? I, I, I thought I, I enjoyed this season. I think it, it pretty much continued to complemented what happened before. It just – this is more – it's very similar to *Battlestar Galactica*. It is very character-driven. They're still struggling with the ship, they're, as far as trying to go home. You know, they're nowhere near to getting home. They, they, they know the ship a little bit better, but and they have made some great strides in that. But, but as far as huge things happening, well, they did have it. They, they did have to fight some aliens when when, when the c- season first opened, but. But during that, it's been a lot of kind of the same thing and just them struggling to survive.
1: Right, right. And I guess the question that some people are going to be asking is, is this enough to carry the series? Or do they need to – right now they have a common enemy with the Lucian Alliance. But do they need need something more? I mean how how far can can they carry that storyline, number one? And number two, how, how, how long do you have a series going where they're just fighting to survive? I know Battlestar did it for four years, but they had a very pre-established you know, enemy that they kind of ran into, and they were moving toward a certain point.
2: Uh, right, and, and there's a lot of revelations with, with Battlestar Galactica as far as the Cylons and uh, trying to find Earth. Uh, there's nothing really that big in SGU. Yeah,
1: I'm not saying SGU is bad. We love SGU. But I am hoping that the second season does pick it up in a few notches,
2: right? And, and like, like you said, because I don't, they don't have the big conflicts that that, that uh, Battlestar Galactica had. It, it is a valid question. Will this n- enough to to carry it? I mean, I'm enjoying it so far. Don't take anything I said as complaints, because it, it's not. I'm still, for, for me, it, it's enough because I think the writing is so good that you know. For, for right now, I'm okay with what they're doing,
1: right? Well, let's move into uh, the story, the other TV story that we have, and that is that True Blood premiere just sunk its teeth into its audience again. True Blood, of course, we talked about in the last show, picking up this past Sunday, the season premiere, and it picked up right where it left off, both on screen and in ratings. The third season premiere, which we, of course, talked about it being picked up last year, about this time, third season premiere of the HBO series drew 5.1 million viewers on Sunday night, June 13th. That's HBO, mind you. Big improvement over the three point seven million who tuned into the season two premiere last summer and ranks number six on all cable for the weeks of June seven to thirteen. In addition, the addition an additional one point three million people watched the replay later in the night. Pushing the show's total to 6.4 million. The audience for Sunday's episode is far and away the biggest for the season premiere of True Blood. Last year's 3.7 million viewers was at the time the show's high point, but it's not the best mark ever for the show. It hit 6.6 million viewers for the first airing at one point last season. HBO has also said that between multiple airings, DVR, and on-demand viewing, the series was grabbing as many as 12 million viewers per episode last year. Given its performance on Sunday, it's not unreasonable to think the show will duplicate those numbers this season. So, a very good start for True Blood.
2: But yes, uh, the, the, the show is definitely, God, you make making HBO happy.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and again, not a show that you watch, not a show that I watch, but... You know, uh, a show that can bring in those sites of ratings, you know, kudos to it.
2: Uh, well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners might be watching it. And when we were at the short of last year, um, a young lady told me, you know, that that show rocked. And she suggested we watch it sometime. So uh, it definitely has. Uh, people still like vampires. It's uh, the vampire thing has not gone away.
1: Nope. The vampire thing is popular.
2: A favorite show of mine, uh, the first look at the Bowster Galactica online trailer the war between the Cylons and the humans isn't over. And when the massively multiplayer online game Battlestar Galactic Online debuts exclusively over at Sci-Fi Games, which then them will you choose to be?
1: Miles, you have another game you're going to be playing.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to be too busy to be playing <laughs> I, I don't have enough time to play play Star Trek online. I don't know when I'm going to find time to to do this. It's kind of a tempting, though, isn't it? I
1: mean, the, the, to step into the uh, Battlestar universe and you know choose a side and you know fly a Viper. I mean, come on, that's is that's like flying the Enterprise. You know, in some circles.
2: I, I, yeah, well, I love them both, and so I, I, sometime I have to try this. But for now, I just, I just got the Star Trek Online thing. Uh, it'll be a little while before I try this.
1: Right, you know, and uh, we will put the trailer in the show notes, so make sure you come on over to com and check out that trailer. It'll be good. Well, let's move into in movie news. Miles, I went and saw The A-Team on uh, Saturday night. This movie did not get high ratings, and I know, Miles, you talked about that you're going to see it or you're hoping to see it, so I'm not going to try and spoil anything. But uh, let me tell you, this is truly a good a good guy movie at the very least.
2: Uh, I just wish I, uh, I, I, I'm hoping to see it. Um, the trailers look very good. At first, when I heard about the whole idea of an ATM movie, 18 movie, I thought the idea was lame. But after seeing the trailer, it, it changed my mind.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and the trailer is just a uh, a taste of that. I mean, here's the thing: I'm not going to give any way, but the casting. Was dead on uh, mm. for, for for the A team. Let me go ahead and pull up the cast here. I mean, Liam Nielsen, of course, played Hannibal. Was an excellent Hannibal in this one. Bradley Cooper as as Faceman Pat. Funny, just it was just absolutely great. Quentin Rampage Jackson as 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 you know, Mr. T. I liked him. He was probably my least of the of the favorite four there, uh, but probably one of the funniest guys was was, uh, I'm going to botch his name, uh, Charlotte Colplay, who played Murdoch. He was absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And, you know, it's filled with explosions. Is it a bit unrealistic of farfetch Yeah, but this is the A-team we're talking about. And so the things that they pull off while farfetch you're just rooting for them, and you love it because there's explosions. Um, not a lot of blood, which is great to see, which means... I guess you still want to be careful when you take your family because of some language. But it's it was a very very good very good show. Plenty of bones that they're throwing to people who watched the original A Team, and well worth seeing. So if you if you watched A Team growing up, this is an an awesome awesome homage to it. Story takes place prior to the A Team TV series and leads you up to it. It Takes place in their army days, but it's absolutely phenomenal.
2: Question for you, shoot. uh the um, actor, any actors from the original series, make any uh, cameos?
1: Not that I saw. I mean, certainly not Mr. T. And, mm-hmm. and here's the thing: I again did not watch the original series. I may have seen one episode or so. So if there were cameos from people that were involved in the series, I missed them. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, it, it was it was definitely it was it's definitely worth seeing. Worth seeing in the theater. And I I, I would say, if you aren't going to see it there, rent it, because it's a fun movie. It's fun. It's engaging. Not maybe the best movie of the summer, but certainly one that's well worth watching in the theater, in my opinion. Humble though it is. So uh, if you are watching, if any of you listeners go out there and watch it, let us know what you think of The A-Team. This is my opinion. I love The A-Team.
2: Okay, we have some news about the new uh, Hugh Jackman uh, movie, Real Steel. Uh, director Sean Levy with Hugh Jackman on a set of Real Steel. That we, there is a trailer out for it now. Ever since and, and pictures. Ever since we heard of uh, Hugh Jackman's robot boxing movie Real Steel, we wondered how believable was the man-machine action going to be. Would we buy into the uh, a robotic Rocky premise? Based on the first photo of the mechanical champion blow, our answer is yes. Real Steel, directed by Sean Levy and starring Jackman. And Evangeline Lilly opens the theaters November eighteenth, two 2011.
1: So uh, I guess here, here's the thing, Miles. I'm a huge, huge Jackman fan. No pun intended there. I absolutely uh, I absolutely love him. I loved him as Wolverine. I loved him. He was in uh, – wasn't he Van Helsing? Was that him too? That was him, yeah. And, 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 and I've absolutely loved everything he's done. But I'm going to be honest, the premise of this just sounds stupid.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not wowed by it yet.
1: Yeah. Maybe I need something more to convince me than just some pictures. But I, uh, does the robot look cool? Yeah. Uh, but it's just, uh, come on. A robot boxing movie?
2: Well, didn't we see that in Transformers?
1: Yeah, but that's different. Transformers is a bit different, <laughs> in my didn't opinion. we
2: see that in Terminator?
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's still, it's different. I mean, we're talking about box, yeah. I mean, um, but maybe that's just me. You might be right, Miles. Maybe I maybe I will need to eat my words here.
2: Well, hopefully uh, – maybe it will change our minds. Yeah,
1: we more. hope it does. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter director is to take over The Hobbit? Question mark, question mark. David Yates, a man who has directed the last four Harry Potter films, including the yet-to-be-released two-part adaptation of – Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows has reportedly been offered a chance to direct The Hobbit. According to slashfilm.com, Yates' name has been mentioned on the industry insider tracking boards as a top choice to take the reins from, uh, De Toro from the production last month. Uh, Dottoro stepped away from production last month, but will continue to work as co-writer with producers Peter Jackson, Fran Welsh, and Philippa Bovins. Yates began his tenure in the Potter series with the movie number five. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and has just wrapped up principal photography in Deathly Hollows. As Chud reports out, points out, Yates still has to oversee post-production on both parts of the final story. The first part of Deathly Hollows comes out this November, uh, with the second one won't surface until July of 2011, meaning that Yates wouldn't be able to start working The Hobbit until perhaps sometime next spring. What are your thoughts on putting a guy that's in charge of... Deathly Hallows of our Mister Harry Potter himself in charge of the Hobbit, Miles.
2: Fans from uh, both sides might uh, take issue with it. Uh, I, I don't. Um, I, I've seen a couple of Harry Potter movies, and of course, I've seen the, the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. You know, I, 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 he's obviously a very competent director. You know, I, I think you know both of them are very similar genres. I, I think, uh, I think, I think he he could probably do a good job with it.
1: Yeah, you know, and certainly has his hand in fantasy and knowing how to film fantasy, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know. Uh You know, there is a different feel to Harry Potter than there is to Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is a very serious drama in a lot of ways. Not teen-oriented, not geared toward a younger audience. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. What is your opinion, listeners? Uh, let us know. What do you think about Yates taking over, potentially, The Hobbit? Potentially, by the time we uh, record the next podcast, it'll be decided. But uh, at this point, it's up in the air. Is David Yates
2: the man? Okay. Uh, in some Summer Glow, mood, summer glow news, uh, will Summer Glow help? Did you say her-
1: Summer Glow nude? That's what I want to know.
2: Well, <laughs> no, no, I didn't say that.
1: Okay, all right. Just checking. Go
2: ahead. Take the story. <laughs> will Summer Glow help? <laughs> Or hurt the Knights of Bad Astom. Uh Summer Glau and Terminator: Saracana Chronicles, uh, actress uh Summer Glau has been cast in the Knights of Bad Astom, an upcoming movie from director Joe Lynch, uh, who uh, d- directed Wrong Turn Two Dead End. Glau is the first female actor to join the odd sounding horror comedy, which follows a group of uh, of LARPers. Uh Live action role players who somehow managed to mix it up with what are described as uh, heavy metal demons, according to uh, Bleeding Cool. The cast already includes uh, uh, Peter uh, Dinklage, uh, Danny uh, Pudai, Steve Steve Zahn, and True Blood's uh, Ryan Quanten. We love the Texas born Glau, who's well known to audiences for her role as uh, River Tam in both the Firefly TV series and its follow-up movie, uh, Serenity, as well as for playing a deadly female Terminator in Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles. She also had a recurring roles in Dollhouse and the 4400, and has been cast in NBC's upcoming mid-season superhero drama The Cape. But though exotic-looking, somewhat mysterious, Klaus quite popular with her fans, uh, which could be good for Nights of uh, Bad Him, none, none of her series, with the exception of uh, the 4400, which she was not a main character, have lasted more than one or two seasons, which is not so good. There's No word yet on when the Knights of uh, Bad Aston will begin production or hit the screen. But it's also confirmed the effects will shop uh, special motion – I'm sorry, spectral motion, which made monsters and mutants come to life on pictures like Hellboy, X-Men, Last Stand, will create the heavy metal demons. And Ms. Glau will be there to kick their heavy metal butts. So considering Summer Glau's track record with Doom sci-fi TV shows, is this a casting cue or a casting curse? What do you think?
1: Well, what do you think, Scott? uh, Yeah, what do I think? You know – I'm excited about anything that Summer Glau puts her finger on. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, but there is truth to say that anything that she's been in has not lasted real long. So what does that say for this? You know, what does it say for a movie? I've only ever seen her in the one movie, and that was Serenity. Right. Has she been in, she hasn't been in anything that, I, that I'm familiar with.
2: I've never seen her on anything else. On I mean, the I'm screen.
1: sure she's done some movie work, but that's mm-hmm. – as far as – the ones that I'm familiar with. So will she do well in a movie?
2: You know what? I, I think uh, I've never heard anybody say anything critical about her. Uh, I just think all the shows that she's been on, you, you could say it, I mean, about other people on the Firefly cast, or is it a curse to have them on. Uh, it, it, so I, I think she has enough fans uh, to, 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 to warrant that, this probably will not hurt the movie. Uh, I, I think she just she, – I just think she needs something to be her big break and maybe – I mean even though she's well-known sci-fi fans, this might be a bigger break for her give her a little more exposure.
1: I guess, I guess the question is we don't know a lot about the movie or the premise of it. All we know is that there's heavy metal demons and some LARPers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it, it sounds a bit – it sounds a bit – Far-fetched for me. I'm not into horror comedy. Maybe that's maybe that's partly my issue. Maybe it does sound good to the people that are into horror comedy. If you think the premise of this movie sounds good, please let us know. I'm a fan of Summer Glau. I probably wouldn't watch it unless it came out in DVD. It's not one I'll probably run to the theater just because of the genre. But I am excited that Summer Glau has some more work. And I'm certainly excited to see her in the cape.
2: Yeah, me, me too.
1: I think um, more excited about that.
2: Yeah, I'm glad she'll be back on TV again.
1: Yeah, you know, because that's where I think she really shines. At least that's where I've liked like her and stuff. So,
2: we have some X Men move X Men uh, news. X Men First Class. Amber Heard up for up for Mystique, and uh, Fast Bender passes, as reported in uh, Sci Fi Mafia. Amber Heard was in Zombieland, Drive Angry 3D, is reportedly in talks to play the young Raven Darkholm Mystique in the upcoming uh, Matthew Vaughn-directed X-Men First Class for 20th Century Fox. Heard would join uh, James uh, McAvoy from Wanted, who has also been cast as Professor Charles Xavier. We previously uh, brought you a rumor that uh, Rosemond Pike from Surrogates was up for the role of Emma Frost in the film, According to CBM, she is actually in the running to play Charles Xavier's assistant, Moira McTaggart. In addition, Michael uh, Fassbender from Inglourious Bastards and uh, Chona Hex, uh, who has been quarter of the role of Eric Leinscher, slash, who is Magneto, has reportedly declined the offer to screen test for the role.
1: Oh, well, some interesting X-Men news. So what what is what is X-Men First Class? Is this like a pre a prequel?
2: It sounds like an or – I would – Guess it's an origin story. I would, yeah. I would think.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know much about the story, and this is actually the first time I've heard them doing this. I mean, I've heard rumors they're doing a Magneto story, but haven't heard much recently on that. Uh, I've heard rumors of another Wolverine story, which I'm, I'd actually be excited about. But I don't know much about X Men: First Class. I don't mm-hmm. know.
2: Uh, th- this could be interesting. I mean, it's uh, hopefully it's not going to feel like a reboot, which which Hollywood seems to be doing a lot of. Lately,
1: Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Well, Miles, right before the show, you kind of pointed out something called the Iron Sky movie or Iron Sky teaser trailer. You want to tell us a little bit about it? I will throw the trailer in our show notes so you can check this out. But this is another uh, another movie, I believe, that's coming out in the future that I don't know much about. Miles?
2: Yeah. I know that they do have a site and they do have a trailer, but the basic premise is in 1945 – uh, there are some Nazi scientists that perfected um, anti-gravity technology, and uh, a bunch of Nazis uh, basically went to the moon and, and built a colony up there. And the premise is that they're going to come back and invade in, in 2018. Kind of sounds a little like a, a farce comedy, but uh, I've seen this. I've seen. The trailer it looks very professionally done, and that's about all the information we have. Except it's supposed to come out in next year.
1: Is it supposed to be a comedy? Or is it supposed to be like a serious sci-fi story?
2: I'm not sure, but I the idea of Nazis, you know, Nazis from the moon just sounds, you know.
1: Yeah, well, if you put it like that, like Nazis invade from the moon, it sounds like a B B-serial thing from the sixties.
2: That's but that's kind of the feel, yeah.
1: Iron Sky has a very serious tone to it, and depending on how they film it it could end up being somewhat good but we don't see any big names attached to it so maybe that's another concern of mine
2: right I think it's 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 probably more of an independent sci-fi movie uh, here, here's
1: here's here's my verdict I need more information
2: yeah i I, I do too uh, very impressed with the trailer though
1: Well, we'll put it in our show notes. Check it out. Let us know what you're thinking of Iron Sky. And if it's something that you'll be going to see or waiting or maybe video or do you need more information, too, that's what we want to know. Miles, why don't you take us away into the twist?
2: This week week is Star Trek. This week in Star Trek news. Oh my goodness! Patrick Stewart gets mean at this award show. Actor James Corden, perhaps best known for his role as one of the students in the film *The History Boys*, was turned to a real-life student when Patrick Stewart decided to teach him a thing or two about how to behave while on stage at the Glamour Awards. Uh, We will will post a link to this uh, this this video clip uh, in our show notes.
1: But it did not go, it did, certainly did not go well. It's kind of funny. Can you imagine being on stage and having Patrick Stewart turn to you and try to teach you something? I mean, he's kind of an imposing man.
2: It, very, yeah, intimidating even.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, when you watch a video, let us know what you think, which, which one of the guys came off looking the best. The, uh, James Corden, you know, tried to play it off, but Patrick Stewart was pretty av- adamant about the way you should act or shouldn't act in front of a award show and when you, sh- and when you announce your guests. I don't know. I, he he certainly came off. Patrick Stewart comes off looking the more dignified one, that's for sure.
2: Right. Um, it, I don't know if it's a compliment or it's a, it's a jab being uh, dressed down by uh, Patrick Stewart. I mean, uh...
1: yeah. Well, if you got to dress, get dressed down by someone, might as well be someone like Patrick Stewart. Hooray. What about our next piece of uh, twist news?
2: We have some Star Trek 12 news. Well, a little bit. I mean, hopefully, this will satisfy us for a little while. But uh, Robert Orsi was interviewed, um, and he talks about uh, Star Trek. It's its darker theme versus its its fun theme. And I'm just going to read you the uh, expert excerpt when, when asked about this. He was asked by IGN second movies, including Wrath of Khan, off in the darker chapter. Things often get pretty intense. Are you going to go in that direction? <coughs> Excuse me. Orsi went. Uh, replied, "Well, it's weird. We got kind of a mixed review in terms of the darkness, or or not. In the first one, there is genocide of entire planet. Uh, Spock's uh, freaking mother died. Kirk's dad died. But it's like, well, it wasn't very dark. So I think maybe thematically, because we don't have the burden of an origin story, we could play a little bit more with the theme and it can be a little bit more uh, complicated." But I still think we like fun. Uh, Star Trek has always been funny. Even Wrath of Khan has to get some great uh, fun in it. I think it'll be equally confusing for some, but I do think we, we'll get the jump right into it. Uh, the important thing is, is they plan to have the script done by December of this year,
1: and we don't. So, uh, so I think that says that it, it is coming.
2: It is coming. So it, it's. I'm, I'm sure they're they're talking about it and everything like that. But at least we 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 have pretty good certainty that we're going to get another Star Trek movie in 2012.
1: Right, right. And and and, that, and that really that's that's a good thing here.
2: Mhm. So. But everybody wants to know what well are we going to get the Khan in, in this next one. So I'm guessing we will. Right. I think they'll probably hold off. That, that, that that'd be my guess.
1: Well thank you for the Twist Miles and uh, let's move into our last promo for tonight and we're going to be hearing a promo from our good friend Alec Fenson from the New Forest Pad podcast in the UK a show with music, news and everything you need from the UK. So listen to them and we'll be back with our interview after the break. And- Join me, Alex Fenson, at www.newforestpodcast.co.uk. Bringing you news, views, facts, figures, coming events from around the New Forest here in the south of the UK mixed with a selection of podsafe music, join me now at www.newforestpodcast.co.uk.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are fans of uh, Hayden Pantier from Heroes will be delighted to know we'll be talking with the man who wrote the movie she starred in last year. Uh, I love Beth Cooper. Uh, also, some of you are, are fans of, um, <coughs> of, of of 50s uh, uh, sci-fi B-movies. Well, tonight we'll be talking to Mr. Larry Doyle, creator of Go Mutants. And his work is, in a real sense, uh, pays homage to many of the great sci-fi movies, of, of the 50s, and it takes place in a high school setting. You know, in this, when we interviewed,
1: when we Larry, the interview we took place before we were recording this, obviously, and uh, when we interviewed him, uh, what a great premise to take 50s movies and, and speak about contemporary issues in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, it's, 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 it's taking an old, kind of an older I, I established idea, but doing something very original with it. Uh, extremely clever, I thought.
1: And this is the thing about Go Mutants. If you don't get a chance to, if you hear this podcast, please go out and buy the book. Of all those story concepts I've heard about recently, this is probably one of the most original, Miles, wouldn't you say?
2: I I 100% agree. Yeah,
1: and it's something that I definitely would like to see. I'm wondering if there's an audiobook version because I would certainly listen to an audiobook, but it's something I may pick up for the Kindle. That might be a book for your Kindle, Miles.
2: I was thinking that same thing, Scott.
1: Hey, great minds, we think alike. That is but, true. But, uh, all right, well, without any further ado, let's go ahead and give you the interview with Larry Doyle from Go Mutants. Go Mutants! With the swiftness of a
0: deadly cosmic ray, the Earth is invaded by indestructible moon monsters. Their ghastly mission, death for all humans.
1: Well, very cool. Larry, we're, we're excited about having you on the show to talk about Go Mutants and some of your work here tonight. So we appreciate you coming and joining us in the Sci-Fi Diner. Cool. And uh, we're, we're a podcast. I don't know how much you know about us, how much your agents told us, um, told you about us. But we're just, uh, we talk about all sorts of things, sci-fi. Um, and then we, we interview all sorts of people from, from actors to directors to authors. And so you fit right into the genre. But I think you are the first person that we have that's doing uh, maybe more of a sci-fi comedy, which I think oh. is my understanding is what Go Mutants is.
4: Yeah, I hope so.
1: So, <laughs> you hope people yeah. laugh, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, I could like take it seriously, I suppose. They don't take it yeah, seriously. This is
1: it. <laughs> yeah, they um, buy it. Right, right, absolutely. So, I think what we'll do is we have a few questions for you, but we kind of allow our interviews to go uh, more, oga- more organic, if I can speak here, and uh, and so if we go on a rabbit trail in a different direction, we can do that. That's totally fine. Okay, and okay. I. I believe Miles will introduce you. And if the connection gets wiggy, we'll just uh pause it and I'll give you a call on the landline and we'll continue.
4: Okay. So. My first my first podcast on this happened to be the night after the Lost uh finale. Okay. It was an hour long broadcast, I think with for forty five minutes I was just ranting about Lost, but uh
1: Well it's well so we have enough distance between us and Lost right now and uh any other show that has you worked up right now, Larry? No,
4: no. I mean I think Fringe ended on kind of a stupid note, but Oh, you
1: didn't you didn't like Fringe.
4: I like Fringe as fine as a show. I just I'm not really happy with uh, it I don't know once they started doing the parallel stuff it just some of it isn't working out in an interesting way to me. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm. It's it's still it's still turned into the big battle of everybody as opposed to having some sort of interesting intellectual direction that could go. Mm.
1: Yeah, I th- I think the potential's still there, but we'll have to see how they play in the alternate universe and I know that Miles, I think you'd agree with this. We were hoping to find out more about this whole machine that Peter was going to be linked into. Right. And
4: uh yeah. I'm not sure you will, but like a lot of the fringes that I like are more based on I mean it's similar to maybe the X-Files stuff. Although I thought the mystery behind the X-Files was more interesting than the mystery behind Fringe, you know the mythology, let's call
1: mm. it. Yeah, the myth arc, or the mythology, as they called it.
4: Um, uh, but what was... The, the fringe shows that have been really more fun for me are the ones where they're playing with things that are only peripherally related to mythology and are about kind of, you know, border science. Hmm. And you know, where it's it's science fiction, but it's also science. And-
1: yeah, well, I, mean, I guess uh, some people would argue that the best science fiction has its roots in real science, so... Yeah, and I guess that would be a true true and fringe. Yes, Miles. I, I'm saying. Oh, I
2: thought you did.
4: So, so I say it was one of the things I tried to do in Go Mutants because I start with these B movies, obviously, which are not uh, scientifically based, most of them. Right. Um, but I, I nevertheless tried to build in sort of retrofit things to them that would make sense um, scientifically underneath them. If that makes if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. for example, the the main the main guy, he's got a giant blue brain and stuff. And I actually built without going into a lot of detail in the book what kind of biology he might have and what he might be based on.
1: Hmm. Is this Jim? Is it the main character, yeah. Jim? With yeah. the exclamation point.
4: Yeah, and so I mean, he's sort of um, you know to get real scientific geeky, he's got he's got silver based blood, and he undergoes a transformation in the middle of the thing where he. He kind of turns into a photoelectric cell. And I have his diet and everything sort of at least matching that. And some of the way in which he's structured matches that so that when he turns, it's sort of, I mean, it's not, you couldn't build the guy based on this. But but at least that there's more to him than what would have been a rubber suit
1: Mm -hmm. in the past. Right. Well, now, so, so the entire uh, Go Mutants thing is based on the premise of – it starts out with B-movies. And uh, explain the story to us a little bit here so that we can uh, maybe kind yeah, of
4: – immediately in the book. You're just are presented with this world where everything kind of looks like people in the 50s thought the future would look. And in addition to that, there's a bunch of aliens and mutants and robots all, all sort of based on the – B-movies of the 50s, the alien invasion movies, the mutant movies, 50-foot-tall woman's in there. And and so the premise of the book, really, which is revealed a ways in, is that all of those movies happened. And we're in an alternate history after what the world will be like if all of those movies happened. Hmm. And it's a generation later, and some of the teenage offspring of the surviving aliens and mutants are going to high school. Our main character, Jim, who's sort of like James Dean from Rebel Without a Cause, is kind of a delinquent, giant brained alien who lives under the shadow of his father, um, uh, was one of the first ones to come to Earth, and has subsequently been blamed for all of the wars that followed it. Hmm. And so, um, you know, he is to his teenage contemporaries the son of Hitler, basically. Hmm. And so that's that's sort of like the world in which he's living, and he's got uh, he's got some friends who all sort of live on the fringe of the the social fabric of the high school. They're not um, they're they're more like juvenile delinquents than geeks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're more like those guys who, when you went to high school, would be in the work study program, and when they did the work or study, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, they just seem to be out in the smoking uh, uh, section. I guess high schools don't have that anymore, do
1: they? No, I know they don't. This whole no smoking policy has been uh, has changed that. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, so did you? Do you have a love of the fifties B, fifties and sixties B movies that kind of gave you the premise for this, or?
4: Well, I, lo- I mean, I love movies in general, and I, I have a certain affection going back to uh, my childhood of watching those things. Not when they came out, but. Years later, I'd watch them on things like Creature Features or on Saturday mornings or Sunday afternoons. I saw a lot of them, and they made a big impression with me. So, um, the the real inspiration behind it, though, was um, a couple of years ago. Um, I just started noticing how much it seemed like we were in the '50s again. Like there was a lot of people talking about how if you had anything to say bad about the government, it meant you were a communist. Uh-huh. You know, and and so that made me start thinking about that. And that brought me back to looking at some of those movies and looking at the way in which they reflected the social times of the, you know, the social times. And so, um, that's what inspired me to go and focus on that particular era. Um, although, you know, truth be told, with me, I could have just as easily picked movies of the 40s or, or, you know, I could have done a thing on noir movies or a thing on, you know, 70s counterculture movies um, because I'm sort of, I like all of those things. I I, I kind of like science fiction in general um, and probably if we were going to say, like, what are my favorite science fiction movies, they wouldn't be those 50s movies because let's face it, a lot of them are just terrible.
1: Right, <laughs> right.
4: But they're really fun and what they're really fun to look at is the way they reflect the point of view of the people who were living at the time you can really see the paranoia and the fear and, and, and all of that. And, and, and they're really fun. They're much more fun than, um, uh, uh, you know, movies that have come out since. Although, frankly, they're more fun to watch the trailers of than to watch the actual movies of.
1: Right, right. So in what ways then do you feel the Go Mutants maybe reflects the culture of our times?
4: Well, I mean, some of them are um, obvious and hopefully not heavy-handed. In, in, in the book, you know, I mean, what you've got is a character who, um, it, the, the population is living under a past disaster that they seem to have gotten, you know, they've moved forward on, but no one has forgotten it. And so there are a bunch of people around, i.e. these aliens and mutants, who, while they are being supposedly allowed into the culture and supposedly being accepted by society, aren't quite And everybody looks at them askance. And in the book, something happens which resurrects everybody's fears again. And I think you've probably seen this, you know, now we're becoming really pedantic about it, and the book doesn't play it this way. But, um, you know, every time one of these new um, terrorist attempts happens, you suddenly have people on talk radio talking about shipping all the Muslims out of the country. Right. You know, or or someone even suggested... um, Someone was on uh, Bill O'Reilly and suggested without Bill O'Reilly um, getting pretty upset that maybe we should kill all of the Muslims, which, uh, you know, which the population problems on the planet because they are roughly half. Right.
1: Right. Certainly would. <laughs> well, you know, we do, I think we do this with any disaster, you know, any, any sort of disaster, not just terrorist attack, but you take any disaster that's the latest news story that, you know, is fronting, you know, it's, it's the next big thing, and we we run after it and it's our, it consumes us, and you know we base our fears and and our thoughts and and what we're thinking about you know as a result of that, and that it does play a lot like a terrorist attack or I'm thinking like the BP oil spill right now or the disasters happening in the Gulf, which is certainly a tragedy, but you know everyone's rising up in arms about that
4: now well, and as you know, Obama's government deliberately blew up that oil well,
1: oh yeah, of course. Of course, we're going to we're gonna get hate mail from this in the show. Please send it to Larry Doyle. I'm no, they,
4: they, well, that's, a, that's an actual meme out there. There are people who actually believe that. They can turn anything rather than deal with the fact that maybe, you know, drilling for oil in, in deep, deep water might, might be the smartest idea in the world. It's kind of like it was a deliberate sabotage on the part of Obama. and I don't know what the big money solar power organization
0: Right, huh? right.
1: That oh.
4: the the because um, we know the trilateral Commission is for solar and wind. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: <laughs> you know, man, the God is behind this. Yeah. Yeah. Miles. Do you have a question?
2: Yeah, uh, the, the, oh, Larry, I was thinking this whole concept. Um, have you ever been to the? Um, there's a restaurant at the uh, Disney MGM Studios in, in Orlando. I think it's called the Sci-Fi Diner, ironically enough. But in there, you, you have these 1950s-style cars, and you sit kind of like driving. But they're showing uh, previews, and trailers of the old uh, B sci-fi movies made in the 50s and and probably in the 40s also. I was wondering if you ever never saw that before. I thought I've been I've
4: been by that diner, um, but only this. We only just went like this January. On what turned out to be the coldest day in a hundred years in Florida in <laughs> and raining, um, but yeah, no, I know the diner you're talking about. It's funny, you know, the story is behind why Tomorrowland is retro. Mm-hmm. Tomorrowland in Disney is like got kind of a retro feel to it, and the reason why is because it was supposed to have a futuristic feel, and then they took too long updating it, and when it came time to do a major overhaul, they decided to go, well, let's just make it retro. Right. rather than really updated.
0: Right, right.
4: Um, but it is, it is the same sensibility, and a lot of the things in the book are based on old, what's called Googie architecture, um, which was those things that you would associate with the late 50s, early 60s, and all the cars are based on those cars. What I used as the model for the cars in the book is um, I looked up concept cars from 1959 and 60 and, and 58 and 61, where you saw a lot of um, cockpits, and and even I found one nuclear-powered car called the Ford Nucleon,
0: mm-hmm. which
4: um, had an extra-long trunk because they wanted to keep the um, you know, the nuclear engine as far away from the people as possible.
1: Right, right. Some of those cars so really cool.
4: make a big difference.
1: Go ahead. Sorry. Well,
4: yeah, a nuclear car would be really cool until you crash it into something.
1: Right, right, that it would just be a nuclear disaster, period, no pun intended. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, some of those cars looked really cool. If you go back to the concept drawings and the, the idea of driving a car with a cockpit, that kind of has, that's like every, I think, every boy's dream, you know?
4: Yeah, well, at least one of them, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I, I could probably look it up while we're talking, but one of them is basically the the first Batmobile, the 1960s Batmobile that George Barris just did very little to, to turn into the Batmobile. Um, but it was a concept car with a double cockpit and the big wings at the back and
1: totally cool. I'm just waiting for my hover car. That's it. The hover car.
4: You know they had hover cars and they still have hover vehicles. There's only one problem with them. They use up ten times the amount of fuel as any other kind of vehicle.
1: <laughs> Which of course to defeat the purpose in our economy today and the where we're at with the, as a country and trying to preserve fuel and all that.
4: Yeah, well, when you look back at all those cool things from the future um, that they all wanted to create for the future, and you're like, why didn't we ever do those? It wasn't because they didn't figure out how to do them. It was because they turned out to not be things that people wanted or wanted to pay the amount for. Like, they could have done video telephones years and years and years ago, but there was no infrastructure for that amount of bandwidth. So there was no way to do it. So the phones existed, but you'd have to connect them with giant wires from room to room.
1: Well, you know, with uh, with AT&T capping their bandwidth, it makes you wonder if there's still an infrastructure for it.
4: (laughs) Well, someone's going to eventually break that, right? I mean, um, if AT&T doesn't do it, then somebody will eventually sort of allow it. Maybe 4G stuff will allow it.
1: Right, right. Hey, we'll see what happens. Now, you mentioned –
4: I fi that everybody will just say, screw you, AT&T.
1: Right, (laughs) right. Absolutely. Now, um, question for you. You you mentioned earlier that that, while 50s and 60s movies, uh, B movies, aren't necessarily what you would be – aren't your favorite movies, what are some of your favorite science fiction movies if we uh, go that route?
4: Um, I guess I like the – I mean, I'm going to pick some movies that some people are going to say were kind of lousy. But – Entitled I to your liked, opinion. <laughs> uh, I, um, I really, really enjoyed uh, AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, um, it, I mean, maybe it's a little slow, but I like the building of the ideas of it. Obviously, anything that Kubrick's done in that area, I really like. Um, the first movie that I remember seeing, and maybe this wasn't so much a, a, a science fiction experience as it was, just it was the first time I was in college that I watched a movie that I wanted to watch over and over again to see how it was done, was E.T. Hmm. Um, and and not because it's necessarily the greatest movie in the world, although I liked it a lot, um, but you could see the craftsmanship of the story in it. I mean, one of the things that Spielberg definitely is is he, he knows where to put the camera and he knows where to cut the shot. Right. And you can see him doing it for effect. Like, there's a scene where, remember where the bicycles are all going towards the car, or the police cars? hmm If you watch that, shot for shot, you realize that the timing is just about perfect when those bikes take off.
1: Right. Right.
4: And uh, sort of undercut when, in the later version of the movie, he took the guns out of the hands of the policemen. Because then it doesn't seem to be any point while they're flying. But, right. Uh, so I like that one. Um I'm going to keep going on Spielberg movies now for some reason. Minority Report I like. Um
2: like that too. Yeah.
4: Um, and, and obviously there's certain kinds of movies which are – they're not really science fiction movies. They're more like uh, – like like two movies that I think are like one of the it's – the, it's the same franchise but it's um, two sides of sci-fi and both like amazing versions of each other. And that's Alien and Aliens. Hmm. You know, Alien is a science fiction movie, really, with, with a lot of horror in it. Right. But there's a lot of science fiction thought going into it. And Aliens is just, you know, a kick-ass, kick-ass monster movie. Right. And, um, it's almost the lesson that they should teach people in film school when you're going to do a sequel to something. Because a lot of times the sequel is just that thing times ten.
0: Right.
4: And Aliens kind of rethought Alien. Right, in, in, in a really interesting way, I mean, for me. and
1: Well, that's true. It's true, it did. You know, what's amazing thing is, you know, you talk about E.T. being such a movie. I remember when that movie came out, it was such a big phenomenon. And yet you never see it. Miles and I, in, a, in our last show, did a top ten movie review off of some site giving us their top ten, and we were commenting on it. And you never see E.T. in a top ten movie list. Of
4: uh, uh, people saying science fiction movies?
1: Yeah, science fiction movies. Well,
4: Well, you know, I mean, it's not, not really, uh, I mean, even though it's got an alien, it doesn't play into the kind of things that, you know, people who like science fiction movies, like I said, like either that alien thing, which is, you know, really cool, thoughtful sci-fi Blade Runner would be sort of in that category too. Or they like the aliens thing, which is, you know, just big giant monster movie and alien and and, and E.T. is neither of those. It's a, it's a warm kind of kid movie, really. Right. You know, and so it, I can see where people wouldn't put that on a science fiction list because they almost don't even think of it as sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like E.T. could have just as easily been a dog.
1: Well, they do the same thing. I think Miles and I were talking about Back to the Future kind of gets shoved into the same same vein. We really don't Pro- think about it as sho- a sci-fi really movie.
4: It's popular. Um, the science fiction people don't want to embrace them anymore. Right. That they, they went so wide that they don't think of them as theirs. Hmm.
1: Well, I guess that's you know, true.
4: You know, they think that it's, oh, that was just a big popular movie. And I'm trying to think of ones from, well, here's a, a, another science fiction movie um, that probably people don't think of as a science fiction movie is uh, WALL-E.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 I, but I, I would say that there was certainly, certainly it, it plays in the, to being a science fiction movie maybe more so than uh, Back to the Future would or E.T. would.
4: Right. and Well, in, in some ways, partially because I think both E.T. and Back to the Future are using science fiction constructs in order to tell a more um, uh, general story. Right, right. They're not really telling. I mean, um, Back to the Future eventually became a little bit about time travel, but really it was only using time travel as a device to get to a situation it wanted to be in. Right, right.
1: Very true. Miles, uh, question?
2: Yes, uh, Larry, when can we look forward uh, to the, the book uh, being out? It's coming out in a week.
4: It comes out on Tuesday of next week. Wow. Oh, cool. cool.
1: Yeah. So what has, uh, the, what has been the response for people that have got a hold of a copy of this book ahead of time? And, and uh, what has been the general response?
4: Positive? Well, the general response so far has been great, especially in um, – yeah, we've, a number of science fiction book blogs and stuff have, have given it like rave reviews and, and the general sort of pre-press has been, been really good. Um, you know, I'm really curious to see, uh, I, it's a book that I hope can appeal to both the science fiction community and, and the general population because it's got a lot of very relatable things and, and it's funny. I was actually more afraid of how the science fiction community might approach the book because you know, it does send up a lot of stuff. Right. And it also is not dealing with, let's call it the most respected era in science fiction.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you true. Know. Very true. Richard, now, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, but, but, but in spite of that, you, you uh, landed a movie deal out of it.
4: Yeah. How, yeah. How, yeah. How, how'd that happen? Well, they actually wanted to buy the mo- buy the movie rights off of a two-line description when the book was sold.
1: Oh, wow. And so you hadn't even written the book yet?
4: I hadn't even written the book yet, and they bought it based on that before I wrote the book. Wow. Um, that, how but much now, pressure they,
1: did that put on you?
4: Um, well, I mean, that's what I do for a, I write movie screenplays for a living. So Right. Um, uh that, that's not really that much pressure. The only, the only real pressure was, you know, have to get everything done. And, and, you know, ultimately one of the issues that comes out of when you write a book and you adapt to a movie is you have to be really ruthless. Um, because that book, even though it's a short book, had to be cut more than in half to fit into a normal movie length. Right. And that meant not just cutting out, speeding everything up. It meant cutting out half of the stuff that happens in the movie. Mm. um so it means rethinking the through line of the book and 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 you know i lost uh at least eight characters eight named characters who speak in the process mm.
1: now so so you wrote the book first and then you then are you are you also the one that's writing them the movie script so far so far <laughs> so far for it
4: that's and, the way it goes you know i mean they'll they'll at some point if Hollywood history is any guide or my personal history as any guide. I'll get replaced at some point. There's right. only one movie that I worked on where I was not replaced.
1: Hmm. Uh, that was I Love You, Beth Cooper. Right. Uh, and that's the one, uh, I know that's the one that was mentioned on your site as being. Yeah. Said. So, well, very cool. And when is, uh, what's the, um, I know it's in the very preliminary stages, but what are we looking at as far as release dates and all that? When are they targeting it?
4: Oh, I don't even know that you'd say that there's going to be a movie at this point. Um, you know, th- they buy and, 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 and develop a lot of scripts and then don't make the movie. They're not yet to the point even where right. they would be um, talking about what they'd call greenlighting the movie. Right. Um, I'm only writing the second draft, and I don't think hardly any movie until, like, the third or fourth draft, do they even, like, want to send it out to directors, and they and they won't. Green line a movie till they have a director attached or a big star attachment of some kind. Right, right. So so it could happen, it could not happen. Some of it depends on the success of the book. If the book's very successful, um, that might make them decide to do it more quickly and that might push it along. If the book just sort of, you know, does okay, it could make them question whether they should be doing it. Um so, you know, who knows? The um, I think I've written Maybe about I've been I've sold about fifteen screenplays I think, uh-huh. and, well, and three of them have been made, and that's actually you know pretty high batting average. <laughs> so that's a, that's about the percentage of scripts to movies that they make.
1: Wow, wow! So uh, listeners, if you like the idea of Go Mutants and you uh, read the book and you want to see it in a movie, please buy it. That's right. That's right. Copy. Yeah, bye, bye, bye. tell your friends about it, et cetera. Now, um, now they, may
4: proceed, they may decide to make the movie anyway, even if the book doesn't do well, but they're all sort of factors kind of beyond my control. They're Right. It, um, some of it will depend on, um, oddly enough, one of the things that might help Go Mutants is if a movie like it comes out and does well. You'd think that that would mean, well, we can't do Go Mutants now because a movie just like it came out. But if it did well, that would make it more likely to be made.
1: Right, right. Well, that's true because uh, because Hollywood, you know, you know, they, they tend to build upon other, the success of other uh, like movies. So, very true. Um, where can they uh, where can they end up picking up this? So, the next Tuesday, this podcast will be out this week. Um, and so, listeners, when they when they when they hear this, where can they go pre-order it or purchase this book when it comes out?
4: Well, I mean, whenever fine books are sold, I mean, it'll be everywhere. Um, uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or if you've got a local bookstore, you can pre-order it there. I mean, if you order it on Amazon, you probably get it delivered that morning. Um, and Barnes and & Noble is going to have it in the front of the store everywhere. So it's not, it's not going to be hard to find.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Well, we're looking forward to uh, certainly seeing it. Miles. Uh, and and, and, uh, and,
4: I, and I, I, I encourage people to go see this
2: website that I work really hard right, on. Well,
1: that we, would, we want to talk about that website. Miles, you have a question about that.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, tell us about the Go Mutant site. Uh, what, what can viewers uh, get out of it? Um, uh, a
4: lot of uh, very work-intensive art and video that I put on. And if you are industrious, because I didn't feel like putting instructions on the website, you can find all sorts of cool stuff if you drill down on the site. If you just start keep clicking on things that look like there might be something there, there's a good chance there is something there, right? Um, but in addition to Wix, there's also a drive in where you can go and currently watch about 70 trailers from B movies and with little information about the movie and the poster and stuff like that, all of which are very cool and fun. And, um, and there's another place where if you click on the atom bomb, you can see a bunch of instructional videos from the 50s and 60s about atom bombs that you can go. Um, There's a place where you can look at old sex education videos. Um, If you go to the school and then you click on the sex education book, they'll take sex education videos. There's some very disturbing pictures on that part, by the way. Uh, (laughs) And if you click on uh, the civics book in the high school, you can go and look at, like, these patriotism, anti-communist videos of the 50s and 60s. And there's a place to see TV stuff. There's a jukebox that if you go to that, you can play um, old uh, space. There's a there was an era of space rock and roll music, not not that didn't last very long. It's mostly um, twelve string uh, surf guitar stuff, um, but it's you know my Mars Mars Mama or you know my Sheenus from Venus is one of them, um, and so those are all fun to play. And so there's just a lot of media associated with that era that sort of formed the core of the inspiration for the book, right? And, and, then, and, and then there's also uh, a lot of like Photoshop things where you can see what the main characters look like.
1: Very cool. cool. Now, what do now? You also, uh, well, well, I guess we should get what, the URL for that. Is, is it gomutants.com? com? Yeah. So it's an easy URL to remember if you wanna. Yeah. I want to go to. And if you want to find oh. out more about you, it's what larrydoyle.com? dot yeah. com. Very That's clear. what you
4: get when you're an early adopter, man. You can get LarryDoyle.com is probably there must be tens of thousands of Larry Doyle's out there. Right,
1: right. Smart, and, and you have and you have the URL. Yeah. Uh, no, very, very cool. I, and I was at the site exploring it. It is fascinating. I mean, you're right. There's not a lot of instruction. You have to, like, okay, uh, where do I go on the site? It's almost, it's almost, it almost reminds me a little bit of uh, Bing without some of the instructions.
4: Yeah, well, being, being is supposed to be helpful. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, that's what they say at least.
4: No, I mean, it seems kind of self-explanatory. There's a planet there, and there's a bunch of things on the planet. If you click on any one of them, they'll take you to a page.
3: Right. You know, the things
4: like you might not be able to figure out is if you go to the school, there's a yearbook there. If you click on that; that'll take you to a spread of all of the different students. But if you click on one of their pictures, that'll take you to their their equivalent of a Facebook page where you can see you know, some stuff about them from the book, and also I've put posters of all the movies that they were kind of inspired by.
1: Very cool. Well, that's totally exciting. So uh, what have you been doing uh, to – I know uh, – do you make any science fiction convention appearances in the efforts to promote the book?
4: You know, I wanted to, but my publisher didn't um, – I mean, the, the one big one was San Diego Comic-Con that we were talking about, right? Right. And they just felt – get lost. Hmm. Um, Because San Diego is so much about, um, I'm getting an echo back for some
1: reason. Yeah, there's a little bit of a hesitation right now. It doesn't sound too bad from this end.
4: Okay. Well, anyway, um, the the San Diego Comic-Con, which I've been to several times, I used to um, actually be editor-in-chief of a comic book company called First Comics. It's it's since gone out of business, and I, I don't know if you like, you know, you know old comics, but they did uh, Nexus, American Flag, Badger. None of those make. Uh,
1: yes, yeah, more- I, Miles, do they for you? I, I was not a huge comic book person growing up,
4: but anyway, I, I, so I, I did that, and, I, and I've and and I've gone there for other reasons. You know, when I lived in California, I would go there every year. It's fun, but it becomes so much about um, big movies and taken over so much by. Um, basically projects that have a much higher profile and can spend a lot more money on promotion that right. they felt it would be wasted for me to go there, at least a waste of their money. Yeah, um, I was going to go to the Roswell Convention, but it's on July 4th, and I just don't think I can justify
1: that with my family. Yeah, yeah. Your family would have something to say about that, huh? so yeah. uh, And uh, so any, 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 uh, what's the future for Go Mutants? Are we talking about, are you going to continue to play with that universe? Are you going to move on and do something else?
4: Well, I'd like to, I mean, I like to do things that are complete, even though the book appears to have a sequel written into the end of it. Um, And for me, I almost prefer to like think up the sequel and then not do it. Um, But I suppose if, um, you know, everything moves forward, there will be a great temptation to do another book. And I do have a lot of ideas for that. Um, But, uh, you know, in some ways... It seems you know it would be almost more fun to just do a new book making up a whole bunch of new stuff and let people imagine
1: what would happen Well, yeah, there is certain because because the reality is if you do a sequel, it won't be exactly what everyone has imagined you know
4: it, it, it won't be what they imagine they'll have expectations and everyone will be upset and and there isn't i didn't I didn't write the book so that it's only i mean like for example Harry Potter was written to be a series, and the story was definitely not over at the end of the first Harry
1: Potter. Right.
4: It's Twilight. This is a pretty self-contained story. It might leave some issues open, but it's, you know, it's, there's no answers that are raised at the beginning of the book that aren't answered by the end of the book. Right. So it would be the continuing adventures of, in a way. Uh, And, uh, you know, it might be more fun for readers to just come up with a completely new thing to do. Right. Um I don't know. I'll 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 hear from readers and we'll hear what people want. I mean, I, I could talk all I want about if I wanted to write a sequel to it, uh, that might not be a viable option for me anyway.
1: Right, right. Definitely. Well, Miles, any other questions for Larry?
2: Uh just a, just a comment. You def Larry, you definitely whetted my appetite. I will be getting a copy of this and I I hope I hope the movie does get made because Hollywood last couple of years has just been in a, um, remake reboot, uh, thing for too long. And so we, we need something new and fresh and, uh, even though it's going back, taking some things from the fifties, it's still done in, a in, a, in yes. a, in an original way. And so, uh, I really want to see this movie made.
4: Yeah. So hopefully it'll seem very contemporary to people, even if it is working on those old tropes and stuff. But, um. Uh, speaking of remakes, I'm, I'm like really, I, I love those first two movies, but I'm so scared of Toy Story 3. Oh, yeah. I know those guys are great, but I just sort of like, really? <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> it's been 11 years. I, I didn't realize it was that long. 11 years since the last one was made. Somewhere well, my made.
4: understanding is the only reason why it really got made is because Disney was threatening to do it without them.
1: Wow. Well, you can't, I don't know how you can do it without them. I guess you get I, actors that sound like them, but.
4: Well, well, no, they'd probably be able to get the actors back, but do it without Pixar. Um, um, and until Pixar was bought by Disney, um, they were working on a Toy Story three. And I believe that part of the deal of buying Pixar was that Pixar got to determine what to do with that, and they killed that version of it. Hmm.
1: Yeah, we'll see how it does. Are you gonna go? You're gonna go see it with your family?
4: Yeah, no, we'll definitely be there. Um, I mean, I, I can't – it would have to be – and already it's getting great reviews, so it, uh, it's a foregone conclusion, but it would have to be really terrible, I think, for us to miss it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I'll think i be taking my kids to see it sometimes. sometime. My, Come, it comes out
4: it's chipmunk's sequel, so. Oh, I
1: know. <laughs> I know. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the, uh, the movie comes out – that's not this weekend. That's next weekend, right?
4: You didn't really think a movie could be a lot worse than the first Chipmunks movie,
1: oh, yeah. And then the sequel came out.
4: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, thanks, Larry, for joining us tonight and um, and telling well, us about Go definitely. Mutants and about the history of it and where people can find it. And we uh, we look forward to seeing this book out and hearing uh, how it does and and hoping for the movie and and so forth.
4: Okay. Thanks very much.
1: Hey, we appreciate you coming on the show and chatting with us. And uh, good luck in getting the iPhone.
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time next year. Maybe I'll get some five. Right. <laughs> five
1: now. Right. All right, man. Hey, you have a good night. Okay. Thanks. Welcome back to the Sci Fi Diner podcast. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Larry Doyle from Go Mutants. We had a wonderful time just chatting with him about movies, about him as a scriptwriter, what Go Mutants is about. Remember that the book comes out. That is, it comes out on the 22nd. That's next week. Or depending on when you listen to this podcast, June 22nd. It'll be out in stores. Check it out, buy it, and support Larry and his efforts. And we want to see a movie made of this. We're excited about it. And it sounds like some great, great original stuff. I'm looking forward to it. We are all looking forward to it. Well, we got to wrap up the show, Miles. We're going to go long here. We managed to keep our last show under an hour, and I'm not promising anything for this show. That's for sure. But uh, before we go, we always give you our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And Miles has a good one. Miles, tell us about the Sci-Fi 5 and 5 tonight.
2: Well, I was thinking about the, some of the great fight scenes in uh, in, in, uh, in sci-fi movies, and um, and so I, I confess, two of them are are, are in in the Star Wars movies, but other three um, maybe maybe you haven't thought of them. But uh, for number five, the it was Yoda versus Count Dooku in Star Wars: Attack of the Clones.
1: My only complaint was not long enough. But go ahead.
2: I, it's just, it just—it was just surprising. I mean, this uh, barely two-foot being, you know, uh, having this this very impressive lightsaber battle between uh, uh, somebody of you know full size um, and making it look good. It—it it, it was just a very, you know, I mean, I think people in the audience were cheering when it was when I was playing. Oh, uh, the shit. next one I have is uh, uh, Roddy Piper versus Peter David. Um, in They Live. Uh, and this movie was made back in the late 80s, and these guys just beat the crap out of each other. Uh, it's, it's just a brutal, ugly fight scene, but it's still good to watch. Uh, have you ever seen They Live?
1: I have not. I don't even know what this movie is about.
2: Okay, it's a John Carpenter movie. Um, I'll tell you about it later. But, okay. uh, the next one I have is, uh, it's Anakin Skywalker versus Obi-Wan Kenobi in Revenge of the Sith. I, I think this, I think this was the... Mother of all lightsaber battles in the Star Wars films. Uh, just incredible um, what these guys did. Um, uh, we could t- we could spend a show talking about it. The next one I have is uh, Neo versus Agent Smith in any Matrix movie. Now we're both fans of the first one, the second two, eh? But anytime there's a fight scene between Neo and Agent Smith, it's going to rock.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: And probably my favorite one is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. This was made. This is early two thousands. It's called the One. It was a, uh, it was Jet Li versus Jet Li. Uh, and uh, if I remember correctly, it either won or was nominated for MTV Movie Award. But uh, this was, you know, J- I mean Jet Li's still hot, but he was really hot back then, and uh, uh, just see... Seeing him, I don't know how they pulled it off, made it very convincing, looking like he was fighting with a version of himself.
1: Yeah, it was a very good movie. All of those are good. The only one I'm not familiar with is They Live, mm-hmm. uh, and there were many, and you know, there were many fights, as you said, many fights um, in The Matrix uh, between uh, Smith and Neo, and all of them good. Mm-hmm. All of them good. I felt like the last one, the one that happens in the third movie, is a bit over the top, but but I liked it. Very good. Oh, yeah. Well, Great a great great list here miles of uh, five great fight scenes mm-hmm. Yeah well, if you want to give us your sci-fi five and five and uh, and it could be sci-fi five anything, please email us at the sci-fi diner Podcast at gmail.com. Attach your audio file to it. You can call in to our listener hotline, one 508 4343 You can Twitter us and send uh, an audio file through Twitter if you want, and uh, we'll be happy to play this on the show and share your sci-fi 5 and 5, or we'll read it. If you want to send it via text, we'll read it. It's not a big deal. We've done that. We did that for uh, what is it, Jen from New York? It was probably Julie or something. I just can't remember the name. But Jen from New York, we read hers the other week, and we just have a great time reading these and hearing what other people think about their top five or best anything or the worst anything that in science fiction that you want to share. So it's very good, Miles. Um, where can they find the Sci-Fi Diner if they want to find us online?
2: Uh, we we are at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast um, dot com, and uh, we have a Facebook uh, fan page, and we're up to eighty-one fans. So uh,
1: slowly creeping you. up. So
2: thank you to those who are joining us on Facebook.
1: Yeah, 100 is not far away. Not far away at all. Mm -hmm. And um, and please check out the com website, places to leave comments, uh, ways you can support the podcast. Uh, We have video from many of the cons and the people that we met and some of the people that we interviewed. Um, We didn't talk about this, but we're going to probably talk about this uh, early in the show. So I won't even mention it now and edit this out. Um, But – uh, we just have a we just have a great time with the people that we meet, and we want to share that with you guys. Please check it out. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, also at Miles. Where are you at on Twitter?
2: I am Son of Warf at Twitter,
1: and I'm also Hertzog on Twitter. Uh, please don't forget to check them out. You may not see me in Twitter a lot until I get my new iPhone. I managed to order it in the midst of the iPhone chaos today, and it was absolutely pleasurable that i actually was able to order it but beyond hmm. that i believe that's it miles do you have anything else that we need to say here
2: i, I think we said it all
1: all right let's wrap up the show
2: well for my friends until uh, next time good night and good luck
1: we'll see ya.